book of Proverbs, so there's not a particular passage for you to turn to. I'm going to be having you look at different uh, Proverbs here in a moment. But you can open up at least a proverb, see where it kind of lands, and then I'll direct you around here this morning. Let's pray as we begin. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that your word is true, that your word is flawless, that your word is trustworthy. And so, God, I pray that we would come believing that with all of our hearts, trusting you with that word and allowing that word to speak to our hearts, knowing that it comes from a God who is perfect, good, righteous, and holy and true. May we not resist what it is you want to say to us this morning, but instead welcome it openly, receive it as from you, the one in authority this morning, and speak through me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bobby Cole was a good golfer and accomplished much at a very young age in the world of golf. Up until just a few years ago, he held the record um, for um, uh, for the youngest winner at British Amateur and until recently held the record for youngest player to play in and make the cut at the Masters. And although Bobby Cole had many victories, he seemed unable to win in one area of his life, and that was win over anger. Cole had an anger problem. It got so bad that no one wanted to even golf with him. Well, in a practice round at Augusta National before the Masters, he teamed up with 55-year-old Sam Sneed. Sam was a kind and gracious man and agreed to play with 20-year-old Bobby Cole. Well, after about 10 to 11 holes, even Sam Sneed was was getting very frustrated with this young man's disposition, always complaining and and, and criticizing everyone else around him. They reached the tee at Augusta's famous 13th hole, a par 5 slight dogleg left, guarded by pine trees and Ray's Creek. Well, Sam took his three-iron shot straight and laid a beautiful shot right in the middle of the fairway. Bobby Cole was already beginning to fume as Sam landed this nice shot. As Bobby Cole was getting ready to tee off, Sam said to him, You know, son, when I was your age, I would use my driver on this hole, and I would just hit over those pine trees and knock off a hundred yards. Yeah, I could do that when I was younger. Well, Bobby Cole, in his anger, grabbed his driver and said, Well, I can do anything you've ever done. Get out of the way. He blasted a mighty shot that climbed and it carried, and it clipped the top of a pine tree and dropped into the creek. Well, good try, Sam said, but I forgot to tell you that when I was your age, those pine trees were only shoulder high. (laughs) (laughs) Better a patient man than a warrior, Proverbs 16.32 says, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Proverbs 16.32 is saying being a war hero is nothing compared to controlling your temper. It is better to conquer yourself than to conquer a city. You see, you may have built a successful business. You may set sales records at work. You may be moving up the ladder in your company. You may be a supervisor over others. You may be managing large amounts of details at your firm. You may be an impressive Bible teacher. 
You may be the best on the team or the smartest in the class or the most talented in the band. You may be good at what you do. But those accomplishments are nothing compared to controlling your anger. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Proverbs 16.32 Wisdom involves self-control when angry. We're working our way through eight areas needing careful navigation in our lives in order to live wisely. We're looking to the book dedicated to wise living, the book of Proverbs. These Proverbs are written as general statements that teach a lesson and not necessarily promises to be claimed. These Proverbs, uh, uh, many of them and these topics we're looking at are just splattered throughout these 31 chapters. I pulled out eight of them that I thought would give us the most trouble in living out our faith. And certainly this matter of anger is one such critical topic. What I discovered in preparing for this sermon And as I reflected on the many sermons I've listened to over the years, is how few messages there are on anger. What is interesting, however, is that the secular secular world has written frequently on this topic. Just about every psychology book and class include a section on anger. Our culture has set up anger management classes, support groups. Courts have mandated partners of domestic abuse to get some help on their anger issues. So there's plenty of advice out there on the subject. But the question is, is it the right advice? I mean, is blowing off steam the way to go? Does voicing our anger even to the wrong person, does that diffuse anger, really? Or does it just divert it into some other harmful attitude or worse, fuel our rage? I mean, should we count to ten? Kick the cat? Smack our pillow with a tennis racket? Growl out loud? Go in the woods and scream? Slowly repeat a calm word, calming word like, like relax? Or technique I just read about recently, feel our face and the tension that's there and just kind of massage the anger away. (laughs) Really? I mean, some of those techniques, some of them might be helpful, but we need to consider this subject from a biblical standpoint. Do we know how to deal with our anger when it shows up? Because all of us from time to time, including me, get angry. We get angry with our children. We get angry with that incompetent worker at the register. We get angry with a rude driver. We get angry with our brothers and sisters in Christ. All of us from time to time get angry. We do. We say to someone, Are you angry? And they answer, I'm not angry. Oh, you just sound a little angry. Well, I'm not! Right? More than we care to admit, we struggle with anger. 
I believe it's a subject for every single one of us in this room. Now, we're mostly going to be looking at Proverbs and lessons it teaches on this very pertinent subject. We'll look at a couple other verses also. But mainly, our, our focus is on Proverbs. And there are three questions that Proverbs addresses. Three questions that Proverbs addresses. First question is, what is the power of anger? What is the power of anger? Secondly, why anger goes wrong? And thirdly, how can, how can there be healing of anger? What's the power of anger? Why anger goes wrong? And how can there be healing of anger? First of all, what is the power of anger? Well, look with me at the proverb I quoted earlier, if you're not there. Uh, Proverbs 16.32. 16.32. Really, in a way, 16.32 is the, is, is the uh, main verse for our intentions this morning. Proverbs 16.32, it says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Now the phrase there, patient man, is literally one who is slow to anger. One who is slow to anger. We see that phrase used of God often in Scripture. The passage of Scripture, Psalm 30, that I read to open up our worship this morning, it mentions God whose anger lasts only a moment. So before we consider this destructive power of anger, I need to point out that anger in itself is not wrong. It is not sinful. God became angry with the children of Israel many times. God got angry. God cannot be neutral when it comes to evil. But God does not fly off the handle. He doesn't lose his temper, but he does get angry. Angry, And his anger is always a righteous, holy anger. But I want us to note that anger is not always wrong. John Chrysostom put it this way. He said, he that is angry without cause sins, and he that is not angry when there is cause sins. For unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. In other words, the answer to the emotion of anger is not indifference. Is not indifference. The ideal is slow to anger, not no anger or blow up in your anger. The New Testament and the book of Ephesians, the command is, is not to never be angry, but that our, in our anger don't sin. The evil in society, loved ones, should stir up some feelings of anger within. When injustice wins, even for the moment, the response could justifiably be anger. So there is such a thing as righteous indignation. Now, in case you're wondering, in case you're wondering if that explosion you had driving in this morning, (laughs) in case you're wondering that that explosion you had at your co-worker this past week or or some friend in the past or or that explosion you had at your friend or or spouse or children or roommate, in case you're wondering that was somehow righteous anger, (laughs) without knowing the details, let me go out out on a limb and say probably not. Probably not. So I need to make that clear right out of the gates. See, our own sense of our violated rights drives much of our anger, does it not? I mean, are we angry because God's honor has been slighted? Is that usually what gets us all worked up in the community of faith and the church? Is that really it? 
If so, it can be a very powerful tool to move us to action. Because when we're angry at the things God is angry at, we will attack the problem, not the person, and it can result in positive change. But on the other hand, there's dangerous, destructive power of anger. It damages relationships. It causes personal embarrassment. It ends a friendship. It can ruin property. It can bring on guilt and anxiety. And I want to look at some of those dangers of an out-of-control self. Go to Proverbs 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, verse 28. And by the way, if you, if you know, if you ever want to take on this subject and preach or teach on this, be ready. It's going to be quite a week. Proverbs 25, 28. It's going to be tested. It's like praying for patience. It says, Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken down is the man who lacks self-control. Now, you might think that a city without walls is a good thing. It's kind of inviting, encouraging, welcoming of visitors. People can kind of come and go. But in ancient times, the city's walls were essential to its safety. Walls protected the city from enemy raids and animals. The city without walls, it would be like leaving your door unlocked at night, or, or, or worse than that, not having any door at all. Or, or even worse than that, think of your house without walls. You would feel quite vulnerable. If you lack self-control, you're leaving yourself wide open for bad things to happen. If you merely let your feelings of anger move to a response without any check on it, it's only going to be destructive. That's why I have a problem with worldly wisdom that says it's okay to express your anger, go blow off steam, go do whatever you need to do as long as you don't hurt anyone. I'm not sure that's the answer. Because Proverbs 29 verse 11 says a fool gives full vent to his anger. Proverbs 29 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger. See, ventilating anger, just kind of let it all out there, is like ventilating a fire. It doesn't put it out, it fans it into flame. There was a man in, in California, I might have told you this before, there was a man in California who was angry about sharing his apartment with cockroaches. You can't blame him for that. So he went out in his anger and he bought 25 activated bug bombs. Now, according to the label, just two canisters of this bug spray would have solved the problem. But the man was so angry, he was so fed up with his cockroaches, he wanted to blast them with 25 cans. He bought 25, he went home, he set off 25 canisters at once. And he did get rid of his cockroaches, by the way, he did. But that's not all. When the spray reached the pilot light of the stove, it ignited, blasting the screen door across the street, breaking all of his windows, setting his furniture ablaze. The blast cost over, over $10,000 worth of damage to the apartment building. A quick Tempered man does foolish things, Proverbs 14, 17 says. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. Yes, he does. I can recall many things, foolish things, I did in my, in my anger, especially when I was younger. But it's still there. Not just younger, but I remember particularly when I was younger, like one time I threw my set of car keys, the only set of car keys I had, but in my anger I threw them and then spent the next two hours looking for them at night. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. 
right? Not one of my finer moments. There's too many like it, and I'm not proud of or even going to mention to you. But you see, that short fuse of mine showed up in the workplace. It showed up on the playing field. It showed up in my car. It showed up in my relationships. It's only by the grace of God that there's any exercise of self-control in this area of my life. And I am all too aware that under the right conditions, without reliance upon the power of God, I am capable of sinning in my anger. Oh, the power of anger. Anger has destroyed marriages. Anger has, has hurt children. It's divided churches. It's poisoned relationships. It even harms one's health. It costs people their jobs. See, a professional athlete can hit his coach and not be banned from the league for good, but in life, you direct your anger at your boss and you'll be out of a job. How does your anger leave you unprotected? What is it costing you? What damage control have you had to do because of the power of anger unleashed in your life? I'm not angry! You sure of that? See, you may have more anger than you think because anger has many disguises. And that leads me to the second question, why anger goes wrong? Why anger goes wrong? We often think of anger as, as only the explosive type. There are Proverbs that speak to that as we've already seen. The obvious way we show our anger is we explode. Usually that is how we define anger. That's why we then can say, I don't do that, so therefore I am not an angry person, or I do not have anger. But I want us to dig a little deeper into the real causes of our anger. Go back to that proverb that we looked at earlier, Proverbs 25, 28 again. Proverbs 25, 28. Very interesting words here. Like a city whose walls are broken down, is a man who lacks self-control. Now, to be self-controlled is to restrain your spirit. We need self-control in all aspects related to our walk with Christ. But for our purposes this morning, we're going to speak to this self-control that's necessary to control our emotions, especially the emotion of anger. Anger is an emotion. It's a God-given emotion. To say that a Christian should never get angry would be biblically incorrect. But anger is a secondary emotion, meaning it's a symptom that something else is wrong. We get angry because we are hurt or frustrated or afraid or disturbed about something else. I stub my toe. I feel pain. I get angry, right? I waited in the, long, the wrong line for over an hour. I am frustrated. I get angry. Why don't they put up signs in here? Right? My child's about to make a poor decision. I'm afraid of what it's going to mean, and I might get angry. So when anger shows up, we're going to need to exercise restraint, self-control, which is the ability to say no to letting it rule me. That's the key. So even though your anger may not manifest itself in some explosive outburst, if you are not exercising self-control and practicing restraint when angry, and when that anger is active inside of you and within you, you are sinning in your anger. Proverbs twenty-four twenty-nine. I want you to see this. 
Proverbs 24, 29. Proverbs 24, 29 says, Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay that man back for what he did. This is where much of our anger goes wrong, right here, right here. We're seeking revenge. We're trying to get even. I mean, are you cherishing anger? Do you have an unforgiving spirit? Are you meditating on the wrongs others have done? Charles Stanley identifies two forms that unrighteous anger takes. He says the powder keg anger, which is explosive, and then the crockpot anger, which is the kind of anger that simmers for a long time. Now, this is where some people, I believe, are living in denial, supposing they are not angry and may even pride themselves in being able to control their behavior. I'm not like that guy. He explodes, and yet we still can have anger inside. I mean, what happens? What happens when you let anger fester? And grow in your heart. What happens when you don't proactively handle your anger within? You're steaming inside. I mean, when you allow that anger to fester, it becomes what the the New Testament calls a root of bitterness in your hearts. Bitterness is holding someone liable for their sin. It is ill will. It is, it is wanting someone to be hurt, having something bad to come into their lives. Bitterness imprisons you because you are still being controlled by what someone else did. You're in prison. And you can say all you want, I am not angry, but eventually that root which is under the surface will spring up and come out in some way. I mean, there's so many ways in which anger expresses itself. So before you say, I am not angry, I want you to check yourself against some of these ways. Okay? First of all, one way that anger shows itself is by withdrawing. Withdrawing. Some people, when they're angry, withdraw. They pull away from others. I am so angry with you, I'm not going to give you the privilege of being around the awesomeness of me. (laughs) Pulling away. Ah, seal get it now, right? So we pull away, usually in the form of pouting. What's wrong? Nothing. You seem angry. I'm not angry. Pouting is anger. It's anger. Anger expresses itself in insults. It's another way it expresses itself. Thomas Jefferson would say, when angry, count to ten before you speak. If very angry, count to a hundred. Well, someone else quipped, when angry, count to ten before you say anything. That way it will give you more time to come up with the right insult. No, that's not why you count to ten. We insult people because we have anger inside of us. We can do that directly, but we can do it underhandedly. We can insult people. It can come by way of a compliment with a zinger attached to it. Oh, that was really good what you did today. Finally, you did something good. Zinger. Insulted them. Insults wound the soul. So if that is you, stop. Don't justify it. 
Don't kid yourself about it. Just stop insulting people because you have anger in your heart. You don't like the way things are going. Anger can take on the form of depression. While there are many things that can bring on depression, anger turned inward becomes depression. Anger shows itself in many ways. One more I'm going to give you. What about withholding privileges? Withholding privileges. Sadly, this happens often in marriages. I am so angry with you, you can forget about my affection towards you. You're getting nothing from me. Nothing. Right? Withhold withhold for days. Will you look deep into your own heart and see if there's any type of anger present there? Look inside. Be honest about the form of expression it has taken, the kind of person you might be coming. Let's be serious about dealing with any anger in our lives because it will only give a dev- the devil a foothold, it says in Ephesians 4. It's going to ruin our testimony as followers of Christ. It's going to drag others in the, of the community and, and of faith and, and into your, of your family into your hurt, into your woundedness. Please deal with it. Confess it. Acknowledge it to those around you whom you have wounded in your anger. And stop saying, I am not angry. Instead, be honest about it. Resolve it. Control it rather than let it control you. Because you know what happens once it's inside there and it's festering? We make all kinds of assumptions about everybody else. We see all their weaknesses, never their strengths. We make assumptions. And it filters are completely dirty. We make assumptions. A traveler between flights at an airport went to the lounge and bought a small package of cookies. She sat down and she began reading a newspaper, and gradually, gradually she became aware of a rustling noise on the other side of her newspaper. From behind her paper, she was flabbergasted to see a neatly dressed man helping himself to her cookies. Not wanting to make a scene, she leaned over and took a cookie herself. A minute or two passed, and then came more rustling. He was helping himself to another cookie. By this time, they had come to the end of the package, but she was so angry, she didn't dare allow herself to say anything. And as to add insult to injury, the man took the one remaining cookie, broke it, pushed a half across to her, and ate the other half, and then left. Still fuming some time later, when her flight was announced, She opened her handbag to get her ticket, and to her shock and embarrassment, there she found her package of unopened cookies. Yeah, she was taken from him this whole time. How wrong our assumptions can be. And we get angry, we get tunnel vision. And we cannot see outside of that. We can see one thing, one thing only. You're taking my cookie. Could it be it's in your pocketbook? No. Why does anger go wrong? It begins within. Deal with it there. Spence said roots become shoots, become trees, become forests. In other words, if you don't deal with those roots, you're going to become utterly controlled by your anger. Well, in the few minutes we have, how can there be healing for anger? How can there be healing of the anger? See, we have choices about what to do with our anger. Hitting our pillow won't cut it. Kicking the dog really won't help. Venting to anyone who will listen? We think that's the solution. I'll just vent and get it off my chest, blow off steam. It has nothing to do with you, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's going to do it. 
right? I read about two German entrepreneurs who found a creative way to help passive-aggressive people deal with their anger. For a small fee of 149 euros per minute, which is $2 U.S., but for that small fee, callers can call and vent their frustration to a paid operator. The swearing hotline known as Schimpfloss, which I'm sure I have that pronounced wrong. It's German for swear away. This, this um, uh, hotline is available seven days a week. Callers can jeer, taunt, curse at the paid operators. But don't expect the operators to put up with uncreative, milquetoast swearing. At times, they'll provoke lackluster callers with rude comments like, oh, that's the third time I've heard that today. Can't you do better than that? That the best you have? Ralph Schultz, one of the creators of Shrimp Floss, says, we don't judge people who are angry. He contends that his service is doing people a favor. If you're stressed at work, he argues, you go home and your partner gets an earful, even though it's not his or her fault. Instead, Schultz says, anger happens. It's natural. With us, you can blow off steam with no strings attached. For getting everything off our, your chest, our service is a bargain. <sighs> really? Isn't there a better way? We may not pay for it, but we may call someone on the phone and tell them about it. There's a better way. Over and over and over in Proverbs, the message is clear regarding handling our anger. Wisdom involves self-control. We saw earlier in 29.11 that a fool gives full vent to his anger. But that verse goes on to say, but a wise man keeps himself under control. And that phrase there in, in Proverbs 29, 11, keeps himself under control, literally means calm it back. Calm it back. It's used in other places in speaking of calming a storm. That's appropriate because anger can act like a storm. So what do we need to do? We need to calm it back. And to speak of calming it back, by the way, isn't suggesting we come up with ways just to stuff our anger. That's not what it's saying. But we need to calm it back when we start feeling the inside starting to churn. Calm it back right then. We need to calm it back when we're about to speak when angry. Proverbs 17, 27 says, A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. To be even-tempered is to keep one's cool in the midst of conflicts. And so, loved ones, when a discussion is churning your stomach... It's tightening up all your muscles. It's pushing all of your buttons. They are indicators that you need to pause to gain some composure and perspective before opening your mouth or sending that email. Practice restraint. Cool down before you speak. It's been said, speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Think about that powerful words spoken in anger. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Listen, if you want to keep an argument going and growing in intensity, then respond in anger. And Proverbs 15.18 says it this way, A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. When there's anger present in a discussion... There's little hope of resolving the conflicts. Get this. Problems cannot be resolved when discussed in anger. 
Believe that. Problems cannot be resolved when discussed in anger. Calm it back. Because if we don't get control of our anger, it builds and builds and builds like a snowball going down a hill. And many of you know what it's like to get angry and start to feel out of control. So the question is this. Would you pause, would you rather pause and take a little time to get a positive perspective and calm down? Or spend the next several days, weeks, or months doing damage control? Which? You all have choices about what to do with our anger. Don't justify it. Don't justify it with the words, well, that's just the way I am. Or it just runs in my family. That's my nationality, you know. That's how we are. Come on. Someone once said to John Wesley, my talent is to speak my mind. Wesley's response was, that's one talent God wouldn't care one bit if you buried. Get rid of it. You say, well, only lasts a moment. Hang around. Oh, it's a big deal. Only a moment. Well, so don't bombs and tornadoes and look at the damage they create. Three questions I want to leave you with. Three questions we can ask when we feel that emotion of anger within. Here are the three questions. One, what is important to me that I, what is so important to me that I am angry about it? Question number one, what is so important to me that I am angry about it? To ask this question just might identify some idols in our lives. What is so important to me that I am angry about it? We may be worshiping the wrong things. We may be worshiping our appearance. We may be worshiping the God of convenience. We may be worshiping a love from an individual over the love from Christ. We may be worshiping our schedules. Ah, that got me this week. Things didn't go the way you'd like them to go. It reveals your idols in your life. It just might. What is so important to me that I'm angry about it? Secondly, ask, what am I defending? What am I defending? Are you defending your own ego? Are you defending an agenda? What am I defending? And thirdly, what am I attacking? What am I attacking? Go after the problem, not the person. Go up and say, it is you and me working together to deal with this problem. That's what we have to do with our children. This wrong behavior that we must deal with, it is you and me, child, attacking this wrong behavior, this wrong habit that's going to destroy you and cause you all kinds of trouble in the future if you don't get a handle on it. Let's work on it together. Christ went beyond anger at wrong. He suffered for it. He attacked the problem, our greatest problem, the problem of sin. And because he did, loved ones, we can overcome. Because he did, we can find victory in this area of our lives. Because he did, we always have a way to make things right, begin again, and find true healing, and not just some worldly temporary fix. you're an angry person of this issue just seems to keep rearing its ugly head listen you can't win this battle yourself you need the power of christ within and his controlling power to meet you right at that vulnerable place where anger shows up are you an angry person do you have anger in your heart this morning 
Are you prone to outbursts or, or withdraws or to pouting or to insults or to withholding of privileges? Is there a root of bitterness not visible to others but working itself out on you on the inside? Do you have resentment in your spirit? Is there someone you still need to forgive? Have you wounded someone and you're lashing of them? Go make it right because you hurt them in your anger. Is there someone who's hurt you in their anger and that you need to deal with it appropriately so it doesn't fester and grow? You know what? And maybe in this area we don't do this enough. We need to repent of it. We need to repent of it. We blow it off as no big deal. We say that's just the way I am. No, we need to repent of it and better deal with the problem. And I want to encourage you, keep coming back to the cross. If this is an area you struggle with, it takes time. It will not change overnight, but it is worth winning over anger. It is. Alexander the Great was a powerful man in history. He was energetic, versatile, and intelligent. He conquered many cities and vanquished many foes, but he had failed miserably to control his own angry spirit. On one occasion, a dear friend of his, while intoxicated, began to ridicule Alexander in front of his men. Alexander became so angry, he snatched a spear from the hand of a soldier and he threw it in the direction of his friend. He'd only intended to scare his drunken friend, but instead the spear went right into his heart and took the life of his childhood buddy, just like that. This led to deep remorse and guilt for days. Alexander lay sick, calling for his friend, chiding himself as a murderer. It got so bad that Alexander tried to take his own life, but was stopped by his men. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than a man who takes a city. Wisdom involves self-control when angry. Let's pray. God, show us what it is we need to address this very day. If we've been wounded, may we deal with it appropriately. If we've wounded someone else, may we make that right. May we not justify it. May we say, I'm not angry. May we not kid ourselves. Be honest about what's stirring inside of us. And calm it back. Regain perspective. Cool down before we make any kind of response. Help us in that. We cannot do it on our own, only as you enable us to do it, as you control us, as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing.